the idea of, of heaven is everybody talks about it. You know, we, heaven is in our culture. If you recall back in, in uh, well, back in, in my day, uh, Led Zeppelin wrote a, a song. It's, a, it's, it's historic. I mean, it's iconic. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, you all remember that. Um, Eric Clapton recorded in 91 a, a song, uh, uh, Tears in Heaven. And this was a song that was written about his little boy, Connor, who had had a fall and died. And he's in the, one, of the, one of the lines in it is, and it's called Tears in Heaven, and he wrote, he said, Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? The Bible talks about heaven over 600 times. It's mentioned in, in Scripture. So this message, we're going to look at Hebrews 11, and a lot of times Hebrews, in that 11th chapter, is called the, the hall of faith or uh, the roll call of faith. But, but besides faith... These saints were looking forward to that heavenly home, place, the heavenly country. Follow along with me, Hebrews 8, 8 through, 11, 8 through 11. The writer says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Even when he, even, and even when he reached the land... God promised him he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to, forward to a city with internal, eternal foundations. He's talking about heaven. A city designed and built by God. It was a, by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Among Christians, there's a widespread ignorance about the details of heaven. Don't, don't be offended by the word ignorance. Ignorance is the lack of knowledge. Stupidity is having the knowledge and you don't want to do anything with it. There's a big difference. You ask Christians what heaven is going to be like and you're going to have answers like it's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's awesome, it's It's paradise. And let's imagine you're planning a, uh, an expensive two-week trip to Alaska. And, and uh, my philosophy is use Emma to make your travel plans. That's who we, we use because she doesn't make any mistakes and you're going to get where you need to get. But some of you are adventurous. You want to plan your own trip. Well, good luck. You're willing to be brave and, and uh, search the internet and you go do your own planning and booking. You go online and learn everything you can about Alaska. And suppose there's only three words that you read and it says, beautiful, wonderful, paradise. You'd be disappointed. You wouldn't know anything about Alaska. Uh, my suggestion is if you ever get a chance to go, go. It's, it's a great trip. And if you get a chance to go, let the, let the, uh, uh, let the uh, Arnolds be your tour guide because uh, they take care of old people. Well, here's some details about heaven. And we're going to examine over the next few weeks. And, and so, so as we're, we, we're planning here, our lifetime trip to heaven, 
a trip of a lifetime to heaven. I think there's four things that we need to look at in this, in this passage. The builder of heaven, the architect, is God. The second thing, the currency of heaven is faith. Faith. And the way to heaven is Jesus. And the last thing, the cost of heaven, it's paid. It's free. That's my kind of trip. You get these phone calls. Hello, Mr. Batson. You have just won a three-day, two-night, all-expenses-paid trip to Branson, Missouri. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. All you have to do, it's completely free now. All you have to do, now, did I tell you it's free? Yes, you told me it's free. All you have to do is take a few minutes out of your busy day of enjoyment of sun and fun of the wonderful Branson, Missouri, to listen to our talk. And so they spend two hours selling you on a condo. It's a free trip, though. But this trip really is free. There's no, there's no, there's no catches. There's no, no hidden agenda. But whenever we visit a new place, we want to know a little bit about the history. And the history of heaven is connected to the history of God. So you need to know about God. And the one big thing that you need to know about God is He is eternal. He's everlasting. He has always existed. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth, and the world, the beginning to the end, you are God. He's eternal. The first verse in the Bible states there was a time in the beginning when God created the heavens, plural, and the earth, singular. And a good starting place to learn about heaven is to understand the word heaven is used in three different ways to, des to, describe, uh, to describe itself in the Bible. The first word to describe it is the atmosphere, heaven, the air, you know, this stuff around, around the earth. Genesis 1.20 says, Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Second, heaven is, is used to describe what we would call outer space. It's where the aliens are, uh, the, the astronauts go. Um, Genesis 1.17 says, God set the, these lights in the sky to light the earth. The third heaven is the dwelling place of God. You read 2 Corinthians verse 12. Paul talks about, uh, it's, it's kind of a mysterious uh, uh, discussion there, description there that I knew a man, and he's talking about himself, who was caught up into the third heaven. And God showed him things that it was too wonderful for him to even speak about. He couldn't come back and say, this is what I saw in heaven. But the word paradise here is what he was seeing. It's paradise. And paradise means beautiful garden. So I think that may be a part of heaven. I don't know if the streets are gold. Good song. It, it, it goes well. I don't know if there's going to be surfboards in heaven when we, when we go safe to shore. Um, that's a great, isn't that great? That's a great song. <laughs> but in every case, however many ways there are to describe heaven, we're told that God built it. Many people think that heaven's going to be some kind of spooky, ethereal place where all we do is float around on a cloud and play a harp. But the church, this church, if we stop and think about the place, 
because it's a literal place. When this church was built, where you're sitting on, where you're sitting in, this, this part of the church, it had an architect. It had builders. And, and someday, uh, uh, talk to uh, some of the older folk that, under, that, that have the history down on how this church came to be. Uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous story, but Hebrews 11 says God is both the architect and the builder of heaven. He was the one that designed it. He was the one that put everything into place, whatever that looks like. And God has given us some plain descriptions here. He says heaven is a real place, built his own house, his own city, and while the Bible begins with paradise, the Garden of Eden, the Bible continues that with heaven. And the story of God and, had, and two people in paradise uh, begins, and it ends with God and his people in paradise. So we're going to be there. The second thing is the currency of heaven. The currency of heaven is faith. When you visit a foreign country, you're going to want to know what currency they use. Uh, ben came in this week, and he dug in his pocket, and he pulls out this bill, and it said 100 on it. Man, I thought so. I didn't think that we paid the missionary enough. We, we paid him quite a bit of money, right? But it was, what, like two bucks? Two bucks, 100 pesos. Uh, but that was, that's the currency that he, that he works with and enjoy work with in, in their country, in the Philippines. And in England, you use pounds. Brazil, you use reals. In heaven, there's only one accepted cur- currency, and it's the currency of faith. Faith. The Bible says in, Hebrew, in, in Hebrews 11:6, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So if, so if faith is the currency, what is the, the, the exchange in heaven? I believe it's sight. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. We have five senses. We have five senses. We've got, we've got, a, uh, we got eyes for sight. We've got hear, ears for hearing. <laughs> ears for hearing. We've got feelings we can touch. And, and we, have, uh, we can smell. We have a nose for smelling. And, and then we, we do have the sense of, the sense of feeling where, where we have our, our emotions. And of these, sight is the major sense. Sight's the major sense. Because we have to be willing to exchange living by our faith, sense, our five senses, to be able to use the currency of faith. Sight says, God, give me proof and I'll believe. Faith says... I'll believe without any proof. There's an agnostic professor. An agnostic is someone who thinks that there might be a God, but not really sure, hasn't completely denied God, but doesn't really know how that all operates. He, he may suspect that there is some other power out there, um, but not sure. And so he said to the students, look out the window. He said, do you see these buildings? And the students nodded. He said, do you see the trees? Yeah, they nodded. Look up in the sky, do you see the clouds? Yeah, we see the clouds. 
Do you see God? And so they're looking around and outside, inside at one another, and no, we don't, we don't, we don't see God. And he says exactly. Buildings and trees and grass and clouds exist but God, because you can see them, but God does not exist. I've proven my point. Well, a young lady, he was pretty smug about that, and a young Christian girl in his class, uh, very bold, stood up and said, Excuse me, sir, can I say something? And he says, Sure. And she looked at the professor, and he looks at the, out at the students. He says, Do you see the prof's hair? Yeah. You see his eyes? Yeah. Do you see his shirt, his face? Yeah. Do you see his brain? No. Well, using the professor's logic, he doesn't have a brain. Therefore, his brain doesn't exist. Well, that's faulty logic, isn't it? It doesn't make sense. But yet, it doesn't make sense when people say, I don't see God, therefore there is no God. Of these Old Testament saints who died without seeing heaven, they died believing that one day they would. One day I believe I'm going to see heaven. We're going to, we're going to die or we're going to be taken out with the rapture. And, and kids, ask mom and dad what the rapture is. We don't have time to go into that. But uh, they, they, we, one day we're going to see our loved ones. We're going to, even better than that, we're going to see Jesus. And we're going to have a whole new opportunity, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but it's better than anything that I've got. And you may, uh, you may believe that you're the kind, you may be, feel that you're the kind of person that's, that's looking for proof. But in this world, my friend, you're not going to find empirical evidence that says there is a heaven. That's a faith kind of deal. But the Christian faith isn't irrational. It's, it's super rational. And if you're waiting to see God to believe in him, then you're, when you see God, it's going to be too late to believe. Elton Trueblood was a, a, a theologian in the 50s, and uh, he wrote, faith is not belief, faith is not belief without proof. It is trust without reservation. You have to exchange your sight for faith if you're wanting to visit heaven. The third way to heaven is Jesus. Jesus. And if you know you're going to visit a new destination, you're going to want to know how to get there. Is there an airline service? Can you take a train? Can you take a boat? Do you have to drive? Are you driving? Are you going to want a map or a GPS to drive you? I was, uh, I, we were at a, uh, I was at a, uh, a graduation over in Kansas City yesterday, and uh, Joel and Veronica were in the front seat driving, and I was back entertaining Evan and being a bad influence on him until he went to sleep. And uh, it was fun watching Joel and Veronica work the GPS. It's a wonder we got where we got. They were both wrong. But do you listen to that little voice that says, turn left, turn left, turn left? Recalculate. Yeah, recalculate. Make a U-turn. You're not going to take off until you know the route. Well, that never stopped the Batsons. <laughs> uh, we do that quite often. 
And you've heard jokes about St. Peter being at the gates of heaven. I don't have any biblical proof that Peter is going to be at the pearly gates. I don't know if there's pearly gates in heaven. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the entrance point. But uh, a guy gets to heaven and he asks Peter, he says, Peter says to him, why should I let you in? This guy says, well, I tried to help people. Peter says, give me an example. He says, well, I was walking in the city and some street thugs were bothering this little old lady and they had guns and knives and they were scaring everybody. So I stepped up to the leader, I spun him around and I grabbed him by the shirt and I said, leave this lady alone, punk. And while you're at it, you and your filthy friends get out of here. And Peter says, wow, that was pretty brave. When did that happen? He said, about two minutes ago. <laughs> so uh, the reality is there's a lot of jokes about it, but Peter can't get you into heaven. Only Jesus can. John 14 talks about going back to his father's house to prepare a place for us. That's heaven. I don't know what it's going to look like. The scripture says there's, there's, uh, in my father's house there are many mansions, and that's a, that, that, that's a pretty cool song, but it's faulty, tra- it's faulty translation. In my father's house, there's many rooms. He's got a room for us. I don't know what that looks like. But Jesus said, uh, Philip was confused, and, and he, he asked, how can we know the way? I don't understand, Jesus. How can we know the way? And Jesus said in 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. You don't like that? I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says. This is the Bible church. We believe that this is the truth, and so that's what we accept. It isn't politically correct to say Jesus is the only way to heaven. People have a problem with that. But what most people believe is there are many avenues to get to heaven. It's like this, this, this 20-lane superhighway, and we're driving in the, <coughs> pardon me, in the Christian lane, and others are driving in the Judaism lane, somebody else may be in the Islam lane, somebody may be in the Buddhist lane, whatever lane is in, but we're all going to arrive at heaven, <coughs> which is the destination. It sounds pretty good, right? Oh, it's, the tr- it's not the truth. Here's what Jesus said about that. He says, you can enter God's kingdom in Matthew seven thirteen through 14 only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few will ever find it. So go ahead and believe how you believe. Go ahead and feel that you can get to heaven because you can go this way or that way, and Jesus is just another way. But Scripture tells us he's the only way. Some people don't matter. Uh, it, It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Now, I can be sincerely, I can sincerely, sincerely believe that going west on I-70 is going to get me to Kansas City. You say, well, if you keep on going eventually, uh, you can drive and get there. No, I can't because I'm going to run into the Pacific Ocean and <laughs> my car doesn't float. And, and it sounds narrow-minded, but it's the truth. And here's a flash for you. I make no apology when I say Jesus isn't one of the ways to get to heaven isn't a cool way to get to heaven, isn't even the best way to get to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only way, the only way to get to heaven. That's it. And the last thing is the cost of heaven is paid. Now, before you take that vacation, you're going to want to know how much it's going to cost. 
I mean, we, I've got, a, I've got the, this human calculator that, I mean, accounts for every penny. And, and I mean, she even figures out the, the, the tax on the tourist junk that we bring home. Well, how, where are you going to stay? Are you going to stay in a five-star hotel? Are you going to stay in a tent? Uh, the view of most people on this planet is that if you go to heaven, you have to earn your way there. Uh, Islam is the second largest religion in the world and teaches that Allah may uh, reward you with a paradise if you obey the five pillars of faith. And the Quran teaches that Allah is a set heavenly, has set uh, a set of heavenly scales, and if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you're going to get to paradise. An investigative reporter interviewed, interviewed a uh, young 17-year-old Palestinian terrorist who was in a maximum security prison in Israel. And the reporter summarized his belief like this. He says, and I quote, He believes his reward for dying a martyr will be to enter paradise where he will enjoy sex on silken couches with 72 young virgins amid rivers of milk and honey. Muslims believe that a paradise is a place of lavishly comfortable homes and beautiful gardens and servants to, to serve them and food and wine and pleasures. And as a suicide bomber, he was driven by this idea that this was what heaven was like and he was wanting to go there. Now, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not what heaven's like. What heaven's like. Uh, J. Frank Wilson wrote the song, The Last Kiss. You don't remember The Last Kiss? Where, where is my baby? Forget it. I'll sing it to you later. <laughs> uh, he says, the Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I've got to be good so I can see my baby when I leave this world. And then you go, ooh. Okay. Now you know it. Okay. Well, it isn't about being good. It's not about what it sounds nice. It's about that we get to spend eternity in heaven because we realize the price has been paid. It's free to us. But it cost Jesus Christ his life. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And ransom is better translated to purchase, release by paying a price. To the Greeks, the word also had a technical term for paying, back, paying money to buy back a prisoner of war so they could use them as a slave. Many hard-working Americans struggle over the fact that salvation is free because nothing's free. We've got to work for what we get. Nobody's going to hand it to us. But Jesus paid the full price, and all you have to do is say yes in faith to Christ. Let me wrap this up. Everybody has his or her own idea about what heaven's going to, be look, what heaven's going to look like. You know, if you're a golfer, it's this endless fairways that you never hook or slice and, and you never three-putt. <laughs> the, sun never, the sun always shines. There's always a gentle breeze. Uh, you never go out of bounds. The ball always flies straight. If you fish, every cast brings in a trophy fish. If you surf, yeah, my surfer's here. Uh, there's perfect waves. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's massive and they curl perfectly and, and you never fall off. You never wipe out. You like the beach. Everybody likes the beach. Heaven's like this perfect beach where you go and you lay out. You're never going to get sunburned. 
You don't have to worry about having sunscreen or suntan lotion. There's no crabs. Uh, you never get sand in places you don't want sand. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. No sharks, no crabs, no sunburn. Randy Alcorn wrote, If heaven is anything you can imagine, then it's nothing. So if your idea of heaven is just an extension of your greatest fantasies, you miss out on what heaven is really like, which is better than anything you could ever hope for. The last thing C.S. Lewis wrote in this illustration, I'll close, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I, made, that I was made for another world. You've been made for another world. This isn't our home. We're just kind of these aliens passing through. Undocumented. No, we are documented in the Lamb's Book of Life. We are not undocumented aliens. We're there. And we have our place by naming Jesus Christ as our Savior in the Lamb's Book of Life. When we die, we're going to go to heaven. And just like Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. Teaching points today, what I look at, what I found is that that uh, the builder of heaven is God. And it's got to be a glorious place. If the eternal God built his home and a place for us, a place where Jesus dwells, the place where the Trinity uh, is, is, it dwells, the, he- the, the, the angels in heaven, it's going to be a great place. We're not going to get, you know, well, isn't it going to be bored if all we do is sing and, and, and we're praising and... and Worshiping isn't it? You know, what if I don't like the music? Well, uh, it's going to be perfect, and we're not, never going to get tired. The currency of heaven is faith. We don't have to take a billfold with us. Believe. You don't rely on your sight. You rely on your faith. The third thing is the way to heaven is Jesus. That's the only way. Take it or leave it. That's up to you. I'm telling you, if you if you insist on another way, uh, there's going to come a payday and you're not going to be in line to receive it. The cost of heaven has been paid by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be there. You want to come with me? Say, well, yeah, John, I'll be with you. I'll be the travel guide. You know, I, I, uh, I, I think that, that uh, let me give you your itinerary. You need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You, if you are here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, then you have got to come to that place of saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I don't understand it all, but I ask you to come into my life and save me. I believe when you died on that cross, you died in my place, that I could live with you forever in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for your word. We thank you for this assurance of this wonderful place called heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the the privilege of your word to know how to get there, to know about it, to be able to tell others about it. Lord, we just thank you for your love and your goodness, the amazing grace that you've given us. Lord, I do pray today for those who are in in our church who are really struggling Pray for a job for Jeremy, a job for my sister Terry. Lord, peace that passes all understanding. 
for my sister Denise as she goes to surgery this Thursday. Lord, remind us how very much you love us till we see you, till we meet together again in your son's name. Amen.